Welcome to the Blue Jeans Christian Weekly Podcast, where we will take your faith and the powerful Word of God and make them as practical and relevant to your job, home, and hobbies as your favorite pair of blue jeans are on a Saturday. Fellow Christians, our enemy attacks us in our head with doubts, discouragements, even doctrines of demons. Wouldn't it be nice if there was a hat we could put on that would guard us against those attacks? There is. It's called the Helmet of Salvation. (laughs) Welcome to Episode 84 on the Blue Jeans Christian Weekly Podcast, where we're in the middle of a series on how to be strong in the Lord. And this is Episode 8 in this series, and we have broken up the Helmet of Salvation part of the armor of God into two episodes because there's a lot there and there's a lot to know and learn and then to be able to use the helmet of salvation to make us strong. We talked about the three D's last time of how Satan attacks us with doubts, discouragements, and even doctrines of demons and what those actually are. And I want to continue today where we left off last time by looking at 1 Thessalonians 5.8 where Paul tells us to put on, as a helmet, the hope of salvation. Again, the helmet is something we have to put on daily. But what was interesting about that, and it's a little bit different than the Ephesians 6 passage that we're studying, is it says the hope of salvation. And that was intriguing to me because the word hope might have some indication of maybe it's not for sure until I looked up what the meaning of hope is in the Greek language used here that Paul wrote this with. And it actually means confident expectation. And I think that's a really good way of putting it because we don't hope in our salvation. We have confidence in it. And our confidence is based on faith, Because faith is what saves us. Faith in Jesus Christ. So faith and hope go together to give us a confident expectation. And remember, it's impossible to please God without faith. So having our hope through faith placed on what Jesus did on the cross for us pleases God. And it's a hope that we get more and more sure of the more mature as a Christian we get. In Romans 5, 1 through 5, Paul lists in ascending order the progression of a maturing Christian, where he says, But we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation or troubles or trials produces perseverance, and perseverance produces character, and then character produces hope. And that's a hope that does not disappoint, Paul says. You see, our goal as a Christian is that kind of hope, that confident expectation that what God says is true and has happened, is happening, and will happen. Because our hope is that God is in control and has a purpose for what he is allowing in our life. And we have a hope in our future with Christ in heaven, which is our eternal home. And we have hope in our future glory, where things matter and matter more than they do here on earth. 
So, are you there yet? Does your salvation give you assurance and security? That confident expectation that what God says is true and what Jesus did on the cross is true and for you? Do you even glory when tribulations come, as it says there in Romans 5? Well, keep growing. If you're not there yet, you will be. (laughs) And this may be of help to you. Our salvation is guaranteed. Nothing can take it away. Christians can be strong in God's promises of eternal salvation in the irrevocable blood covenant that happened on the cross with Jesus and what it says in his scripture. You know what I mean by that blood covenant, right? In the Old Testament, when there was a covenant made between two parties, sometimes even with God and a person, it was sealed with blood. You may have even seen that in the movies where one guy cuts his hand and the other guy does too, and then they put their hands together, like shake hands. It's sealing their promise with blood, which means it's irrevocable. It cannot be taken away. It cannot be changed by either party. That's why Jesus shed his blood on the cross, invoking that irrevocable (laughs) covenant of your salvation that you are in right standing before God. You are righteous before God. How about we now look at some scripture passages that solidify this, that back that up. First, let's start with John 6, verses 37 through 39, which says, this is Jesus talking, all that the Father gives me will come to me. And the one who comes to me, I will by no means cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of the Father who sent me, that of all he has given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up at the last day. And this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. That, folks, is a promise. That's a promise. And a promise invoked with a blood covenant that makes it irrevocable. Let's go to John 10, 27 through 29. This is in the passage where Jesus is talking about himself being the good shepherd. And Jesus says, My sheep, meaning us, hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give them eternal life, that they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Here are a few more if you want to look them up later. Romans 5.10 Romans 8.31-39 Philippians 1.6, which is kind of cool. I'll read it real quick. It says, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Your salvation will be complete when you meet Jesus in heaven. And if you're looking those up, be sure and look this one up too. 1 Peter 1, 3 through 9. That's a fascinating account by Peter of your salvation. 
And 1 John 5.13 says, These things I have written to you, who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. That you may know it, that you have eternal life. You see, knowing is the assurance of your security of eternal life with Jesus. Knowing is the assurance of your security of eternal life with Jesus. Dr. John MacArthur says, Security is a fact. Assurance is a feeling that comes to the obedient Christian. Hopefully that's you. Because, you see, there are some people who think that they don't need to wear the helmet of salvation. They evidently think they have a thick skull, (laughs) and the enemy's attacks will repel off of their thick skull. Or they even say, I don't need somebody to die for me. I know somebody famous who has said that. Well, good luck to them. I know their head ain't thick enough, and they probably do too. But we know because we have a helmet of salvation we can put on. And who owns this salvation? He who is timeless owns our salvation, not us. Jesus does. And doesn't that make us strong? Yes, it does. It really does. Now I want to take us to another little concept kind of a thing here. This is written in Philippians 2, 13 through 15, where Paul is writing to a church he really loves. I mean, he he loves all churches, but this one seems to be doing a lot right. (laughs) Church in Philippi, where Paul writes, Therefore, my beloved, my beloved Christians, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Do all things without complaining and disputing, that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. Oh, I love that passage, because it's so applicable to us. But what does it mean to work out your own salvation? Well, I looked that up. (laughs) It means to continually use the gift as a thank you to Jesus and reverence to God, your gift of salvation. It means to get the most out of it, until you get to heaven. Remember a couple of episodes ago, I talked about the sanctification process after you become saved? Right after you repented of your sins and asked Jesus to pay the penalty of your sins on the cross for you and make him the Lord of your life, the Holy Spirit comes into your heart and starts the process of sanctification, which is where the Holy Spirit kind of cleans out the bad things in you, you know, like bitterness and anger and yelling and foul language, (laughs) and replacing them with good things, good things that are more like the qualities or character of Jesus. It's a process of being more like the qualities that Jesus has. And what the Bible means to work out your salvation is help the Holy Spirit in that process, that process of cleaning out your self-centeredness and your anger and your bitterness and 
Replace it with good things like being loving and tender-hearted and caring for others, compassionate, and knowing how to love people, and doing good works for other people. And, and in all you do, do all for the glory of God, the Bible says. Now, no, that doesn't say that works is required for your salvation. It doesn't say that. It can't, because that would contradict with Romans three twenty-one through 24 and Ephesians 2, 8 through 9, which say that your salvation isn't from works. It's a free gift from God through Jesus. You have to make the salvation that Jesus gave you mean something. You can do that by reading your Bible, being intentional about being obedient to God's Word, and praying, and don't complain about it or argue, it says in that Philippians passage. Being obedient makes your salvation worthwhile for Jesus. That's why it says, do all those things without complaining and disputing, that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without faults in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, which when you're like that, you will stand out like a light in a dark room. And that's what Jesus wants from us too, to be salt and light in the earth and to be a beacon of light that people want to be like, that people notice we're a little bit different than everyone else. And when they do that, maybe they'll come to us and ask us about the hope that we have. Remember, we talked about hope and what that really means, that confident expectation that we are saved and we get to spend eternity with Christ in heaven. And since when we are truly saved, our future is written and secure. And it's a good one. (laughs) It's a really good one. And that can make us strong here and now. Strong enough to not let the three D's affect us at all. Strong enough to not let Satan make us ineffective for Christ. Strong enough to have life to the full and abundant and enjoyable, as Jesus promised in John 10.10, because of him and what he did on the cross for us. That's called salvation, and we put that on like a helmet. Jesus gives it to us, and we wear it proudly because it's designed by him, and it's to protect us so that we can be useful for him. So folks, be strong in the Lord. Enjoy your full and abundant life. In our next episode, next Tuesday, we're going to talk about the offensive weapon that God gives us and why it is so important to help us to be strong or to make us strong. Have you left your positive review on iTunes about this podcast? Please do that if you haven't. It sure helps a lot. And also go to bluejeanschristian.com and click on the post, How to Be Strong in the Lord. And there are links to YouTube videos from Mountain View Bible Church, where I have been delivering these in a sermon series. Thank you, folks. See you later. See you later.